The following talk was given at St. Maximilian Kolbe Catholic Church on Tuesday, January 23rd as part of the Family Formation Program. In this talk, Alan Nabier of Your Holy Family Ministries talks about family prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, Lord of heaven and earth, creator of all things, we bow before you in adoration and humbly submit all our failings, all our gifts, and all our blessings before you and give you thanks for all of them. For we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We thank you for the families that you've given to us. We thank you for sending your son into a family to sanctify the family and to save us from our sins. Help us to follow in Jesus' example and in the example of our Blessed Mother and in the example of St. Joseph so that we may serve you and honor you more perfectly every day. Send down your spirit to be with me as I share a bit about that intimate conversation that we can have with you all the time, which is known as prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, prayer. <laughs> we all need it. Just like the air that we breathe, if we don't have the air, we will all die. To the spiritual life, that is prayer. If we don't pray, if we don't talk to the beloved on a regular basis, we will die a spiritual death. Some of you may have experienced that. Think about just in your own walk. When you have been at that time, when you've been praying a lot, you've been reading the Word of God, you've been uh, visiting the Adoration Chapel, you've been going to Mass on Sunday and perhaps a few days during the week as well. Uh, when you've been... Uh, I mean, you've gone on a retreat. Think about how you feel. Think about how much comfort you take in knowing that you have a relationship with God. And maybe you didn't even put that together, but that's what that was. It was more than just a, uh, uh, even a conscious acknowledgement, right? I pray and, and, and I instantly feel good. It usually doesn't work that way. Sometimes it does, but you can't count on that. I like to say that there was, there's a quote back to being a reference about family life. Dr. Dobson. Everybody here know Dr. Dobson? Christian writer and uh, founded a, a ministry or a nonprofit called Focus on the Family. All about strengthening Christian families. And uh, he said, uh, love is a decision. So you think about that in the area of husband and wife, that when you say, I do at the altar, you're not saying, I love you and I feel like I love you. You're saying, I love you and I choose to love you. And if you look at the words of 
the, uh, the promises that you make, the, the vows you take. Right? I promise to uh, love you in sickness and in health. Well, one of those is pretty easy. <laughs> when you're healthy, it's easier to love. When one is sick, it's a lot harder. Sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer. You think about all the times that you may have suffered in being poor, not having a lot of money. That puts stress on one or both of the parents or the couple. Let's see, sickness and in health, richer or for poorer, through good times and bad times. There's always a positive and a negative to that because love is a decision. I I remember when my dad got sick. And he was sick for a long time before we realized how sick he was. And uh, it was hard to love him, especially when he would come at me trying to hit me because I took his keys away. It was hard to do what he needed to have done to help him. But it was a decision to love. It was hard when my wife and I, after a year of marriage, she got very ill. It was really hard. It was so hard. I won't tell you exactly what happened. That's, that's a topic she can talk about. But I remember my in-laws coming to me, and they said, you know, we weren't really sure about you. But now we are. <laughs> Because many men would have left, and you didn't. I can't say that that was something that I really fully understood those vows until that happened. I mean, I was in love, probably more feeling than decision at the time. With as much marriage prep as we did, right? The the knowledge traveling from the head to the heart takes a long time. It's a great distance. But God gave me an opportunity to build on a foundation that was planted within me through my family, that you don't run. I remember my mom and my dad sitting my brother and I down and telling us they were going to get a divorce. I remember that like it was yesterday. Now, they didn't get divorced. They worked through it. They found something that could bring them back together, and they did it. Even though they never talked about it, my dad never talked about that, my mom, and, my mom never talked to me more about it other than sending me a letter in high school when they were at their lowest saying, I wish I could have given you a better, a better marriage as, as a mother. Yet they, they persevered. That had to have helped me in that time. So love is a decision. So I've talked a bit now about how that is in personal relationships. But you know what? We are to love someone more than our spouse. And that's God. Now, it might even be harder to feel that love for God. Because I don't, I don't get to sit next to him physically. I don't get to go to baseball games or to dances or whatever you do for fun physically with my God. Yet, I know that he is with me. But it's a decision. And I have to give that assent that says, you know, God is real. 
and he loves me more than anything. And I have proof of that in sacred scripture. I have, uh, I have evidence of it even in my own life. We all do. We've all felt the love of God at some point. Now, do you guys know the story of Mother Teresa of Calcutta? She, I mean, there's a book written about her. What, what is the name of that book? The, I see nobody here. No, no, that's not it. So she, an autobiography was written about her where it talks about how she felt an intense presence of God when she started her work to the poorest of the poor. I mean, unmistakable, like God gave her affirmations on a regular basis. And she felt it. And after she started doing her work, and God said, I think you're ready. And he withdrew all that consolation. She felt nothing. Does anybody know how many years she felt nothing? It was like, it was almost 50 years. 47 may be the actual number. For 47 years, she did not feel anything from God. But she knew and now, how long, right? So you look at the stories in the, in the scriptures, right? Scriptures are great to help us through these tough spots. Because you look at the Israelites, they come out, and they have 10 plagues they've witnessed in Egypt. I mean, amazing things. The river turning to blood, um, and the last one, you know, locusts. I mean, all these things happen. The parting of the Red Sea. They go across the Red Sea. They sing a hymn of praise. They continue journeying, who knows how long, maybe uh, six months or something. And they end up at Mount Sinai. Moses goes up in the mountain. And how long was he gone for? Probably 30-something days. And then they're like, he's not coming back. What are we going to do? Moses left us. Let's make a calf and worship it. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> you just saw 10 plagues. God deliver you through the Red Sea, and then he floods the Red Sea, killing your enemies, so you're free. You already forgot that in the space of less than a year? Does that happen to us? Yes. Okay. So I've set the stage for this need for a relationship with God that is a decision. Because is it always easy to pray? No. Sometimes you just don't feel like Stopping doing what you're doing. If you happen to get up in the morning, which for me, I'm a morning person. If you get up in the morning and, and you, you're like, okay, it's time for prayer. Let me check my email first. <sighs> That's the worst. Because now it's, it's gone. And next thing I know, I'm busy with work for the rest of the day. And hopefully by the end of the day, I'll stop and we'll sit down with the family and do prayer. Right? So you have to plan for that. But it's a decision. Prayer is a decision, a decision to speak and have a relationship. And I would say that it is to have a relationship with the one that you love. And we should love God above all because it's the first commandment. And the Ten Commandments are in order. The first one is to love the Lord your God above all things. And if we are to love the Lord our God before all things, and you can just... Transfer that to your spouse. I should love my spouse above, above all other spouses out there in the world, right? <laughs> I love my wife more than any other woman, even my own mother, right? But yet God demands to be loved more than that. And if I never talk to God, 
Am I, am I loving him? No. no. We're really not. Uh, a, uh, a Mexican priest, I remember because it was the first time I'd ever heard this homily. I've heard it since in English, but it was in, it was in Spanish, and a friend of ours translated it for us, and it was, I forget what the feast day was, but it was, it was some, it was based on the readings, and he said, when you met your spouse, did you, did, did you, did you say, oh, I love you so much, and then not talk to them until your wedding day? <laughs> it sounds funny, doesn't it? But a lot of people do that. And you could say, okay, a confirmation, I told God I loved him. <laughs> and then I didn't tell him I loved him until I was on my deathbed and I was worried about hell. <laughs> Look at it in those human terms of why is it necessary for us to pray in order for us to have a relationship with our Lord. Okay. God is not... Someone that you should just call at the last minute, the, the, the fire extinguisher, put out the fire. You should have that constant relationship, and then maybe the fire won't start to begin with. So it sounds like I'm talking about an individual prayer life with God, and that is absolutely essential. Just as essential as a prayer life is between you and your God, our God, it is also essential for God to be at the center of your marriage. Because you went before the Lord and made vows. And you said, God, we can do this with your help and with the help of the community. It's part of it. But mainly it's, it's three to, take that, to, to make, make, the, make the marriage. And when you have a family, you have two things that family prayer accomplishes. One, it very visibly tells your children there is something more important than what we can see. There is something that I, as your parent, have to rely on, and that's God. I can't do this on my own. I, it is important for me to have a relationship with God. It is important for our family to have a relationship with God. Because if God is truly the center of our family, just like this poster shows, right? God is the center of this family, how do we show that? I like to say if, if uh, in a court of law, if, um, if you were brought up in a court of law and you were asked or someone was accusing you of, of being Catholic, would they have enough evidence to convict you? Evidence. Not just warm, fuzzy thoughts. Those are nice. But God demands all from us. He's a jealous God. Not in jealousy like we think of. He's jealous because he loves us so much. He wants an individual relationship with each of us. And he wants to help our families, our marriages, and us individually. And when we talk to him on a regular basis, he will talk back to us. Has anybody ever heard the voice of God talking to them? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's how you define that, right? Uh, have I had a vision of God? Well, no. Have I had dreams which were very vivid that may have been related to things I was going through? Yes. Have I gone to adoration and opened up Scripture and read the same Scripture verse that I had read a hundred times or heard at, at Mass, and yet it said something different that just, I was like, oh, wow, oh, that was for me right now. Yeah, 
Does that happen to couples as they approach God? Yeah, when big decisions. I mean, when my wife and I decided to move to Houston, that was, that was not just Danae and I deciding that we were going to move to Houston because, eh, why not? And we really took it to prayer. We talked to our children about it, but it wasn't the children that helped us make the decision. But yet, all of the comments and all of the internal urges that we were feeling said, this is what we need to do. And when we moved here, this has been four years ago, five, five years ago. I can't remember how long ago. It seems like forever now, which is a grace from God. Um, when we got here, we realized that, man, God was speaking to us loud and clear. I'm so glad we listened and we followed his lead because otherwise we wouldn't have been here for my father-in-law who passed away from cancer. We wouldn't have been here for my dad and for my brother and his family as we were all suffering. I mean, we all suffered because of my dad's illness. We wouldn't have been here for that. We wouldn't have been able to follow God's lead, even though it was the most painful thing I've ever done. Well, one of them. It's, it's up there in the top three. <laughs> but yet, that was, an, that, that was an example of keeping that relationship with God, asking him to enter into a decision that we were having to make as a family, and trusting that he was going to respond and give us guidance. And it was unmistakable, unmistakable. So prayer is important. It is the lifeblood of a family. If you don't spend any time in prayer as a family, you are not truly as holy of a family and the family that God knows you to be. I can't remember if I said this before. If I did, I apologize. But I say that one of the things that, that this was somebody that just kind of had their ideas, like I, you've got to go to heaven, and my greatest fear is that I will show up at the door and I will meet the person that God knew I could be. And I will have to look at that person and say, did I come close or not? Because God knows each one of us and what we can be. What he knows we can be. And we should follow that because God's plan is so much better than our plan. Prayer is the way that we discern, the way that we have that relationship with God so that he can lead us towards who he knows we can be, so that he can lead our marriages to where he knows they should be, so that he can lead our families to be light in the world and to change the world. So what does a family of prayer look like? So we get seasons in the church, right? We have liturgical seasons. Our family can use that during Lent. Or say, okay, Lent's easy. You start with Ash Wednesday. What is the most well-attended day of Mass ever? It's, it's Ash Wednesday. Everybody wants to get their free ashes <laughs> to have a sign that says, I'm Catholic. Right? It's easy to start Ash Wednesday because then you have a very big concentration on fish fries and abstaining from something. And it's, it's, just, it, it's like a cultural phenomenon. Everybody knows it's Lent. Now, Advent, on the other hand... A little more challenging, because what happens after Thanksgiving? You end a Christmas. Well, not exactly. The church says it's a time of preparation for Advent. Well, that's a very powerful way to lead your family into more of God's thinking. That instead of us running around and trying to purchase presents, we're going to do this. There are a ton of seasons in the church 
that we can enter into. You can talk about the saint of the day. There's a saint almost every day of the calendar. It's not quite everyone, at least not in the U.S. You can find them in Ireland and all around the, all around the world. But the church gives us plenty to use within our families to bring his view of the world into our family's view of the world. And you might sometimes, as I said, love and prayer our decision. You may have to force yourself to do it. It may not always feel like it's time to pray as a family. Do kids always cooperate? Yeah. <laughs> well, she's a perfect child. Yes, yes, I second that. My favorite niece in this room. <laughs> It may not always be easy. However, we are parents, and sometimes parents get to do jobs that may not get a whole lot of things. You might have to feed your child food they don't wanna eat. They might kick and scream and not wanna do it. If prayer is the life blood of the spiritual life, should we sometimes force our children to participate in prayer? When they're younger, absolutely. It is our duty as parents to say, we are, in our, in our case, we are A-bears. This is what we do. Come down here. We're going to pray. You don't even have to say anything if you don't want to. You just have to sit there. And we're going to pray. And I tell you, it will come. If you... If they see you, a lot of times kids look at you and they say, is mom and dad doing it? Right? So one of John Paul II, and John Paul II is the Pope of the family. He wrote about his experience of faith growing up. And one of his most vivid memories is waking up in the middle of the night and seeing his father knelt down in prayer in their small apartment. There was, there was no monstrance. It was just his father knelt down in prayer before an image of our Lord or maybe our Blessed Mother. Um, and that image stuck with him for 80 years. Because his father died when he was 18. Right? And he wrote about that to his papal biographer. And, and he, he had a lot of life to live. And yet that was one that so powerfully impacted him. So parents, you can't give what you don't have. However, as you work on your prayer life, you can work on your family's prayer life. It doesn't have to be chanted a liturgy of the Hours in Latin. Does anybody even know what that is? <laughs> it doesn't. Whatever image you have of family prayer that you think is unattainable, rethink it. You don't have to. It doesn't have to be rote prayers. It can be sit down and say, at the dinner table, we're going to say a prayer over this meal. We're going to thank those uh, the, the, that we have food in front of us because there are people that do not. We're going to thank God that we have a roof over our head. We're going to thank God that I have the ability to prepare food that tastes reasonably good. Right? It could be something as simple as that. And you know what you can do to make it even better prayer? You can ask our Blessed Mother to take that prayer and deliver it to God. Very simple. Mary, our, my mother, would you please take this prayer I'm about to say and make it beautiful for God. Heavenly Father, uh, 
Daddy, uh, I don't really know what to say. I, uh, I thank you for my children. I love them. Uh, you know, amen. Okay, that was, for some people, that's a start. I've known some people that it's just a groan to God. Oh, Lord. Today was so hard. I know it was hard on my kids because I came home and I was not, I was not pleasant. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, and allow my kids to forgive me too. I can be honest. This is a conversation with God. You can't say anything that he hasn't heard before. <laughs> and when you lead like that, your children will follow. I remember I was telling these guys here as we were talking beforehand. I said, my, my grandmother is the one I credit with my faith. She took me to daily mass during the summer. Uh, I, I knew she prayed because she would sit there and pray in her chair. And, uh, and she would tell me that she was praying for me when I was in college <laughs> and high school. And, uh, and I thank God for that because that was the example that I think about all the time. She would fall asleep praying her rosary. Now, she never actually asked me to pray the rosary with her. At least not that I remember. I probably wouldn't have remembered anyway because I really had no desire to do that. Um, but I remember that. So do not underestimate the power of your actions and your efforts to do more than you currently do. So practicals. Here's how to start. If you've never done it, um, here's the best way. At family meals, say a blessing over the meal. Now, that implies that you actually eat meals together. So if you don't eat meals together, start that. It's essential. Family or Kids who eat family meals with their parents are healthy, wealthier, and wiser. They are. It's, you're doing your kids a favor in life by having a meal with them, by not letting them stop at McDonald's and pick up food and go up and eat in their room or whatever. Have a family meal. If you're not doing any family meals, start with one night a week and pray during that meal. If you are already doing that, start with a morning offering. The best thing to do in the morning is to offer that day to God. To, uh, it can be very simple. Very simple. I offer, Jesus, I mean, Danae, do you have one that, that you say? That's very simple. So you might not know all this, right? But, but if when you go to confession, you know, you're supposed to have a, a, an act of contrition. All that is, is you telling the Lord you're sorry and you don't want to do it again. And if you want to get extra points, you, you claim the blood of Christ and say, because of Jesus' suffering, I, I ask for this. Forgive me. You don't actually have to remember every one of the words. The Lord will take your heart and the words that are flowing out of your heart, the same as he will with our prayers. A morning prayer can be something as simple as that, or it can be, Jesus, I offer you everything I do today. Please let me give you glory through my actions and help me to be good. That can be it, something very simple. Don't make it more complex. So say you decide I'm, I'm ready to do this. And you sit down and you say, kids, we're gonna, we're gonna have a meal tonight and we're gonna pray. And then the next night you don't do it. And the next night, you don't do it. And then a week later, you're like, oh, my gosh, we did it once. 
I guess I failed. Is that the right attitude? No. You say, okay, Lord, give me the strength to do it again. We're going to try again. Just get back up. Give it another shot. God will take whatever we give him, and he'll help us to be better at it. So start, set your expectations where you want them to be. But do not set your expectations too high for your family. And you each know your family's best. Set it somewhere where you think you can achieve it. And strive for that. And one way to really help your kids is to preview. And we do this in all areas, not just prayer, but you preview with your kids. Say, hey guys, we have decided to start something new in our family. We're going to start praying together every night or every morning or at lunchtime. We're going to do the Angelus. That's another prayer of the church. We're going to say the Angelus at lunchtime. That's what we're going to do. Whatever works for your family. And preview with your kids. Say, we're going to try this. And I'm not real sure I'm going to be able to do it because I have a hard time praying myself. But I really want to do this. Can you help me to be successful? Your kids, whether they will tell you this or not, they want your family to be better than it is. Don't we all? <laughs> Don't we all want our, 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 ourselves to be better than we are today? Do we want to be worse? No. Kids view their family, I mean, it, especially when they're young, their family is everything. They want it to be happier. They want it to be healthier. They actually want it to be holier because the holier we become, the more like God we become. That's what it means. Sanctify yourselves, become holy. So who here is ready for that? Who is ready for that adventure? To ask God to be part of our families and to prove it to him that he is. To invite our children to enter into an intimate relationship with the Lord as a family. The prayers of children are actually more powerful than our prayers. What did Jesus say when the little kids came up to him? He says, don't stop them. Let them come to me. And in another place he said, uh, the kingdom of God is for these, for the little ones. To enter the kingdom of God, you have to become like a little child. That was not, you have to become childish. That was, you have to trust me like a child. You think about any of your children that are below age seven, or maybe think back when they were younger than age seven, they trusted you and they relied on you for everything. That's what I think God wants from us. He wants us to rely on him for everything. And so the prayers of your younger children, that's the way they see it. Now they'll rely on you, or if you tell them, whoa, whoa, stop looking at me. Look to God. He's the one that you need to rely on for everything. I'm going to do my best to provide you what I can, but I take my strength from the Lord, who I rely on for everything. Everyone in the family is pointing towards God. That is what family prayer says in a very tangible way. Thank you for listening. For more information on Your Holy Family Ministries, please visit yourholyfamily.com.